Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen, and how wonderful to see all of these little disciples up front uh, in the making just a a few moments ago. Well, I want to extend my own welcome to you this morning, and I want to invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, or if you've got your phone or your your laptop or or, um, what do they call them nowadays? Your iPad, just turn it on. You can turn on your Bible. That's where I'm trying to get to. And we, uh, we've been doing this uh, sermon series on movement and looking at the Apostle Paul's letter in 2 Corinthians. And today we are in chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Let's hear God's word to us this morning. Paul writes, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You are, yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord God, as we are here to worship you this morning, we've come to sit at your feet to learn from you. We need a word from you that will speak into our lives, that will encourage us in our following of you, and Lord, how blessed we are that you desire even more than we do to give us that word. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning that everything that comes from my mouth would be your words and not my own. And we pray that you would give us all ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that would be responsive to the work of your spirit in this time. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Danny and I didn't compare notes before this service, but I actually want to start with a ski story as well. Um, Even though I've lived here in Colorado 22 years, I've only skied one day in my life. And it was such a great day, I just decided to stop while I was ahead. (laughs) So, no, this is not a picture of me skiing. If we had a picture of me, it probably would look uh, something a little more like that. One of the things I learned that day was to ski well, how important it is to lean forward. And I remember how counterintuitive that felt. Because when I was hurtling down the mountain, every instinct told me that leaning back was safer. I share this because we may feel something of this dynamic when it comes to today's passage. Some of Paul's words may seem counterintuitive to our instincts. And when our actions or our way of thinking are challenged in some way, we have a tendency to lean back, to dig in, to hold fast to what's familiar 
or what's comfortable. That's why this current sermon series is so important to us on movement. It's acknowledging God's longing to produce movement in our lives and to propel us outward into the world as part of his larger movement. And movement occurs when we lean forward, not only on the ski slope, but in life as well. We lean into rather than away from the work that God's spirit is doing within us or nudging us towards. As Tim reminded us last week, movement is every believer taking one step towards Christ and then another and then another and another. So with this in mind, let's take a closer look at Paul's words in our text this morning. He begins with a defense of his ministry in verse one, writing, are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do we need like some people letters of recommendation to you or from you? We learned a couple weeks ago that others had followed Paul to Corinth and that they were challenging and correcting his teaching. And here he alludes to letters of commendation they had brought with them as a way of establishing credibility with the Corinthian church. This was actually a common practice in ancient times. It was a way of establishing authority for an unfamiliar teacher. And we might expect Paul to write, well, you've seen their credentials, now let me show you mine. But in a surprising twist, he points to the Corinthians and he says, you are my letter of commendation. He writes in verse two, you yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Paul wisely realized that the greatest testimony of what God was doing through him could be seen best in the lives of these believers. And what a letter they were. He says they were known and read by everyone. God's transforming power was clear for all to see. And Paul returns again in verse three to this same theme when he says, you show that you are a letter from Christ. Paul's description of these Corinthians begs the question of us, to what degree are we a letter from Christ in our world today? Oh, I can feel the leaning back in the room right now in response to that question. You know, I've never put a bumper sticker on my car, but I've always thought that if I ever did, I wouldn't want one that would, would point to my faith in some way because I'd be concerned my driving might offset whatever positive message there was. And you know, we can have the same approach when it comes to how we live. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. But we don't wanna shine too obviously because then others can more easily see our flaws and our imperfections, and we will end up embarrassed, and they will end up turned off about our faith. And we tell ourselves this again 
and again and again. But friends, when it comes to our relationship with God, we have a choice. We can be spiritual turtles trying to keep our faith, beliefs, and actions safely protected within the shell of our life. And this may keep us from discomfort caused by others' response to our faith, but I can guarantee you that the Spirit's life-giving movement will be limited in our lives. Or we can be God's letter to the world, leaning forward, moving outward, allowing others to see Jesus in us, a letter of hope, a letter of meaning and love that can strike a chord with someone who is looking for something more. I heard a beautiful example of this just two days ago that last year a a woman lost her husband of many years and was devastated. And one of her coworkers, a member here at First Pres, invited her to come to church. She did, and she's still coming. Now, if we're honest, skiing feels safer to some of us than having our faith on display. And if that's the case, don't miss the life-giving message that Paul has for us here today. After being questioned and challenged by these rivals, we might expect Paul to begin to make a case for how capable he is. But again, in a surprise, that's not where he goes. Instead, he acknowledges that he is not competent. In verse 5, he writes, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves. That's not exactly a winning self-defense. But Paul acknowledges this so that he can get to the second part of his statement when he adds, but our competence comes from God. You see, as letters of Christ to the world, we point not to what we have going for us, but to what Christ has going for us. Now again, this can feel like it pushes a bit against our instincts because competency has a high value for us. The more competent we are, the better we feel about ourselves and the more positively we believe that others view us. Competency is expected in school, at work, or really in anything where we try to be successful. And so we do our best to convince ourselves and others that we are on top of things and that we have our act together. And that works until it doesn't. Because as we know far too well, none of us fully have our act together. And far too often we experience weakness in our lives and we model imperfections to others. We fall short not only of others' expectations of us, but but even of our own self-expectations. And so the good news of Paul's message for us today is that there is an alternative 
to always trying to be strong enough. That when we bring ourselves to God, just as we are in all of our weakness, we discover that he can make up the difference. As Pastor Mike Ayer has put it, the American dream is to live in our strength. God's dream is that we live in our weakness. Now why in the world would we wanna do that? Well, you see, when we live in our weakness, when we acknowledge that as a reality of our lives, we experience more of God in our lives. Paul learned this the hard way. Later in this same letter to the Corinthians, he talks about an experience he had that was a very difficult one. And listen in chapter 12 to his words of what happened. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in strength. That's not what he said. God said, my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul writes, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that God's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul has the audacity to declare that he delights in weakness. Who would do that? One who discovered that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And so let me ask this morning, where in your life do you feel weak? right now? And how can these words be good news for you this morning? Though we try as much as we can to avoid weakness in our lives, let me briefly offer three ways that we can live into or lean into these words that Paul has for us. First of all, admit where we are weak or insecure. And we do this first with ourselves, and that's not always easy to do. But once we have, we can then better admit this weakness to God and to ask his help and power to compensate for and to even transform those places of weakness in our lives. Second, allow our weakness to become a marker of God's work. You know, in the same way that, that diamonds shine brightest against a black backdrop, so God's work shines brightest against the backdrop of where we need it the most. And this can encourage us in our faith as we have these glimpses that he is with us and that he is at work in our circumstances. And then finally, Acknowledge our lack of competency to others as a way of pointing to God's competency. And we think, why in the world would I want to do that? Well, you see, we often forget that those around us 
are also struggling with weakness and insecurity. And when they see some of their story in us and of what God is doing in our lives, it gives them hope and interest in what he might do in theirs. Ignace Paderewski was a prime minister of Poland and he was also a, a concert pianist. The story is told on one occasion, a, a mother wanted to encourage her young son's interest in music and so she got them tickets for one of his concert and they were right in the front. When they arrived, she saw someone she knew and began talking with them and did not realize her son was no longer with her until the lights began to dim for the concert to start and she looked around and she discovered to her horror, not only was he not there, he was up on the stage at the piano playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on the concert grand piano. And as he did so, just in that moment, Paderewski came out from the side of the stage and he came up behind the boy and he whispered to him, keep playing. And as this young boy did, Paderewski reached around with his left hand and began filling in bass notes and then with his right hand began a, a running obligato and the two of them together, this young child and the master, produced music that was mesmerizing to the concert hall. Friend, that's a beautiful image of what happens when God's power meets our weakness. And that's the content of Christ's letter to this world through us. And so let me ask this morning, will we bring our places of weakness to God to lean into his power and his competency? And will we move out towards others in love and transparency so that what they see in us may give them hope in what God might do with them. You know, this table is our grand reminder of God's movement in our lives, initiating towards us. May we respond with movement of our own in our lives and out into this world. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord God, you know how we struggle to acknowledge weakness in our lives, how it goes against our instincts. But Lord, give us honesty this morning to acknowledge those places where we cannot do it alone, where we do feel insecure, where we're not sure we can make it so that then, Lord, we can hand these to you and we can pray for your power to be on display in the midst of our weakness. Lord, give us that honesty, give us that trust that we can rest in your competency and in the life-giving power of your spirit. And Lord, as we experience this in our lives, may we be your story out into a world where you long for others to experience it as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.